Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case File 20, Melissa Trotter. Hello again, podcasters. Lone Star 187 here. So this week, we are in Willis, Texas. What you talking about, Willis? Which is south near Conroe. And our date is December the 8th, 1998. We have a young woman by the name of Melissa Trotter. She is 19 years old, and she goes to college at Lone Star College, actually. It was Lone Star College. I'm not sure exactly where it was at. Was her room 187? (laughs) That would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Kind of sad, but cool. So she's away at college, and her brother had been in the Army and was coming home from Germany. So her mom was really excited to have both her kids home. So they're getting ready to go out to eat and they're waiting and Melissa doesn't show up, which was not like her. So her mom called her dorm room, left a couple messages, um, called some of her friends. This is a really good story to be telling since I just dropped a kid off at college. Mm, It'll be all right. All right. (sighs) It's fine. Promise. So her mom was worried. This isn't like her. Her mom gets worried. So she's calling her friends and even her brother is starting to get irritated because he's like, I know she's excited. This is actually her second year in college. I know she's excited, but I'm here. You know, she should be here. That night, she just she doesn't show up. So she calls some of her friends and has them go by her dorm room and check. Well, her car's still there. Her phone is still there. Her purse is there. So they know something's hmm. not right. That's not good. No. So the next day, which takes us to December 9th of 1998, the family file a missing persons report and explain the situation. So the first detective that arrives to her dorm room is Detective Scott Davis. So he goes through her room, typical college student. You know, she's got her books. She's got some ramen. You know, she's got mm-hmm. everything she needs. Um, they find a piece of paper that said the name Larry and had a phone number. So they're like, okay, well, maybe this is a friend of hers. Maybe she's with him. You know, it's the last, her bed is made and there's just this piece of paper there with Larry and a phone number. The detective talks to her roommate and some other friends and in the town where she was, which was in Willis, Texas, it was very small. Some people said that they, they heard about her disappearance and they were telling them that they had seen her at the marina just a few days prior to her disappearance talking to a guy with a red dually pickup truck that had some rear end damage. The detective went to the marina and asked for the surveillance videos and he saw the truck that was described and so he leaves the marina and he happens to be driving past his gas station near the marina and he sees a red dually truck Uh with rear end damage. So he pulls into the gas station and the man um, kind of gets his stuff at the gas station and kind of hurriedly gets inside of his truck and he leaves. So the detective follows him Mm -hmm. and he takes off going fast through neighborhoods and then he starts going through the woods. 
he cuts through this wooded area and he's driving these woods like he knows exactly where to go and he's not driving too fast where he need to get pulled over but he's driving fast enough knowing that there's a detective behind him not like a red and white siren car like oh, a detective so this vehicle is, yeah. I know, yeah so i mean he could say maybe he thought he was just being followed by a random person but it's just there's like a, the detective feels that he knows he's a policeman they go through the the woods then he dumps out on the highway and he jumps out of his vehicle so he comes to while it's moving halt, oh no he stops gets out and he's like why are you following me why are you following me the detective's like i was coming to talk to you and uh, I saw you at the gas station and I wanted to come talk to you and you led me on this chase. I, he's like, well, you never flipped your sirens or anything. He's like, well, we weren't. I got to say, like, obviously this guy did something or he's involved somehow or has a guilty conscience. Because if someone follows me that way, I'd probably do the same thing. Like, they're going to keep following me. I'm going to pull over and be like, hey, what's going on? But are you going to take them But through? I'm not going to be driving through the damn woods and trying to get away. I'm just going to be like, what, what's going and, on? And never increase your speed, really. No. I'm just, just going to be going driving. along my way. And if mm-hmm. I feel like they're following me and consistently following me and I'm like taking turns to try to get rid of them and they're following I'm going to be like, okay, well, yeah. what do you need? What's your deal, yeah. right? So that I get. But the going through the woods and hauling ass and anyway, continue. So he asked him, you know, he's like, well... I'm going to have your name. I'm going to get your information. I'm just going to run your information. I heard that you were, and this is a couple of days after the missing persons report. This is on December the 11th of 1998. So he gets his information. Well, when he runs his license through, he has some outstanding warrants. Uh-oh. So he's like, well, I'm going to book you on these charges. So in that, in the meantime, we can kind of figure out what's going on. So they impound his truck. They decide they're going to go look through his house and they're going to get a search warrant. But first they have to get some information from him. So initially there's no evidence right off the bat. Like he's not like, oh, I don't know. He doesn't say anything about Melissa or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So they take him in and the detectives start questioning him about Melissa. And he's like, I don't know who that is. I, I don't know. I've never met her. They're like, well, how did she get your number? He's like, oh, actually, I know her sister. And I ran into her at the marina a couple of days ago. We were just talking about her sister. You know, we, we just had small talk. It wasn't anything serious. But when the detectives asked other people in this town, which is a small town, who Larry was, his name was Larry Swearingen, by the way, they asked him, who is this guy? A lot of women said, oh, he likes to take women into the forest and have sex with them. Oh, so no. So it kind of, the detectives like, well, that makes sense why he was able to whip through that forest. He knew exactly where he was going. And, and, and was it a was it a path or was he driving off of a path? Uh, I don't not know. Not off the It was not path. a... It was not a road traveled often by the way. I mean, he knew where to make turns without hitting trees and Got it. he just knew saying. the forest very well. So the detective was kind of worried like, well, and then he knew exactly where to turn to jump, to get dump to the him highway. on the highway. Okay. Mm-hmm. At this point, they know they have surveillance that he's had contact with her. They know that she had his number for whatever reason. And so she has a sister that's similar to her in age to where that a would make sense. Well, he just said that he knew of her sister and that he knew his he knew her sister and that's why when he saw her. But does he's she like, have oh. a sister? Um, yeah, she has a sister. Okay. Yeah, and the sister knew him because the sister was older because he's older. Okay. Um, and he was just saying that's why they ran into each other. But the only problem is that when they initially interviewed him, he lied about knowing her. It yeah. wasn't until they brought up the phone number that he's like, oh, that, yeah, we did talk. I gave her my number because I ran into her. She was supposed to give it to her sister. So now it just looks like, now why are you lying? Mm-hmm. They start searching for Melissa, 
And of course, their first place to look is the forest. There's a national forest. They feel like, you know, there's a lot of forest around here. There's water and there's forest. Mm -hmm. So the likelihood of us finding her in water is going to find more with time as the tide comes in. So why don't we just search the forest? So they start searching the forest. The whole city, college students, professors, everyone um, is, is looking for her. Posters are put up around town at the college asking questions, you know, because there's this beautiful young woman who is missing. A little bit about her. Um, she was born November 26th of 1979, 19 years old. She was described as being very outgoing, very personal, very caring. And uh, anytime she went out, she was always telling her family and friends where she was going, what she was doing. She was never one to just up and leave. It just wasn't like her. She didn't like to be alone. So if she did go places, she went with people or she went during the day because it was such a small town and a college town. They always were around, mm-hmm. you know, they know something's not right. Yeah. So on January the 3rd of 1999, so this is almost a month she's been missing, a 911 call is made that someone has found a body in the forest. Oh, no. And initially when they walk up upon the body, they find that the cause of death looked like strangulation and the murder weapon was a tied up pantyhose around her neck. There was obvious signs of sexual assault and she would not have any clothes on from the waist down. They initially, I mean, Larry's already in jail, so they're like, book him. Mm-hmm. You know, transfer him, go talk to him. It's got to be him. So they put in a search warrant. Now they're able to search his house. Because right, they were able to look in the truck when they arrested him, but they didn't really find anything. But they also didn't have anything to compare it to. They had no body. They had no... Even if they looked in his truck, unless there was something of Melissa's in the truck, there yeah. was nothing pinning him to her. Mm-hmm. But now that they have a body, that car and his house is a little bit easier. So, and obviously they had looked in the forest, but they didn't find her, clearly. Initially, no. Yeah. So, um, almost a month in, they find mm-hmm. her. So, Julie Shield was the prosecutor. She, you know, she gets the search warrant. And so, does it say who found her? Was it just like some random it person? It was one of the volunteers. Oh, yeah. okay. A and volunteer. so, one... Oh, so they, she was found by the search party. Yeah, it wasn't a, a random person. No. Okay. No, it was... Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. To clarify, yeah. And what was cool was I was watching... Um, on HLN there was a death row stories and this was an episode on there and because of it being such a small town and they the detect they meet they being the detectives didn't know who would be on Larry's side and who'd be on Melissa's side because Melissa was coming there to go to college and Larry had been there. there. They were kind of worried about like what if one of Larry's friends or family members is there to go hide evidence. So every person that did a search had to wear, had to carry a camera. And so, so there was no way to deny what they found. Exactly. So when this person walks up on it, they showed kind of part of them walking up on it. And then the 911 call. So they're able to determine, obviously, that there okay. nothing was done or moved. So the first place they go search is Larry's house, who he lived in a trailer. And since he had been arrested, because uh, he was arrested just a couple days after uh, she went missing, it's been vacant now for almost a month. And he couldn't go back and do any hiding. No, and he no. couldn't even contact anybody to go cover for him if he needed that. If, in fact, he needed that. Right. Apparently, he was married. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Didn't tell anyone that, but he was married. And he, uh, his wife couldn't live there because they couldn't pay rent because he's been in jail and she didn't work. So she just left. So since she had to leave Did without... Did she know he was in... I guess I guess he called her and said, hey, I'm yeah. in jail. Okay. So she just kind of left okay. and left the, left the trailer as is. So I keep reiterating that. 
it's important, but okay. no one was in the trailer or around the trailer on this vacant lot. It's just been vacant basically since, since December his, the 11th. Since his wife left, since he was arrested and his wife left because they couldn't pay the rent, it's been right. vacant. Correct. So they're searching and searching, and guess what they find? Her purse. They find a pair of pantyhose that have been cut. Uh-oh. Like the top part of a pantyhose. So that he just cut, cut the legs off. So the legs the legs are missing. So they take those pantyhose to the Emmy. And when they take it out, which I'll post a picture, it is a perfect match. Because you can't cut unless you cut it straight. It's probably jagged. And, yeah, it's like all jagged. And, and all it's the jagged. same color. All the jags match up. It, there's no denying that that is the more. I mean, that is the smoking gun. Because just, I mean, that... You can't. You don't get any better than that. And they find this in a bin, like a tote, outside of the trailer, in with like mixed in with some trash. So they charge him with capital murder. Mm-hmm. So he's charged with capital murder. So his stepfather receives a letter from Larry from jail that he says that Larry Swearingen says he received in jail, but he couldn't read it because it was in Spanish. <laughs> so he said, "Hey, can you can you fig- can you get someone to read this for you? Because I don't know what it says. It's addressed to me. I got it in jail. Can you figure out what it, what it says?" So the his stepfather <laughs> takes it straight to the police. He's like, "I don't know what's going does. on, but I need you to read this. Mm-hmm. I don't know Spanish." So in in the letter, it states that a woman named Robin said her boyfriend killed Melissa, and it had specific details of the crime and how it happened, and that no one else knew that n- nothing had come to light, but it but it. It works. When they read this, they're like, something is not right. So the police go and search his cell. And they find a Spanish to English dictionary. I was just going to say, so is he fluent in Spanish or what? No. So they do research. And they find out that he went to an inmate and asked him to write the letter. So it wouldn't be in his handwriting. And he confessed, yes, I I had him write the letter because I'm, I'm scared. I'm just trying to survive. And I'm just trying to make it in this in this awful situation I'm in because I didn't do it and I'm being told that I did it and I, and I didn't do it. So did he really think that was going to work. I that guess sounded I guess like so. a solid plan in his I, head. When I he, guess so. I guess so. You think the inmates were laughing at him? Like, you think this shit's going to work? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, about a year goes by and the trial starts and the prosecution starts with the, with evidence. And that's, I've, I know we've talked about this. Like, I'm all about evidence. If you can prove it to me scientifically, Mm -hmm. I will listen 100%. There can be some circumstantial evidence that's just too circumstantial that it's hard to wave past. And then there's some that it's like, "Mm, Mm. you're, it's a little bit of a, little bit of a reach, right? But the hardcore evidence they have is that the carpet fibers from his trailer and his truck are on her clothes. Okay. That's not good. How, I mean, that alone says Mm -hmm. that she was at least there. So if you didn't kill her, then why was she there? You're married. Why do you have a young 19-year-old? Uh, Larry was 23, so he's only four years older than her. Not that, I mean, not that much older that you would, it's too old to have a 19-year-old at your house, mm-hmm. but old enough to be in the range that maybe you're interested. Unless the unless Melissa and his wife were friends. That would be the only way that she could be there and it would be okay. Right. But I doubt that his wife knows who Melissa is. Didn't even know she existed. Exactly. Then her hair, Melissa's hair, is found in his truck. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, if he had said, oh, yeah, on the day of the marina, she, we got in my truck, we went and had dinner and went back to my my house, 
then maybe they could believe that maybe he didn't kill her, but he hung out with her, but he didn't say that. Cigarette butts were found in his trailer that matched the type that Melissa smoked and the same type of lip gloss she wore, but they weren't able to verify 100% that the DNA on the cigarette butt was hers. I mean, but this was back in the 90s, this was in, so this was in 2000. DNA research and testing wasn't right. as advanced as it is now. So but I again, guess, this yeah. is where a circumstantial thing kind of says, I mean, his wife didn't smoke, but he smoked, but mm-hmm. not those cigarettes, but Melissa did. But you already have her hair there and fibers there, so... So clearly, clearly she was at his trailer. Yes. So and then, I guess his wife wasn't at that time, because unless she was involved. And then, of course, they showed the smoking gun of the how the pantyhose fit together perfectly. Mm-hmm. So... They do say that later on that he did admit that he hung out with her even though he was married. That he did hang out with her. He felt like it was okay because he knew her sister and it wouldn't be a big deal. But again, what business does a 24-year-old have with a 19-year-old in your in your trailer by yourself without your mm-hmm. wife and her sister? No reason, right? So the prosecution, before they really, because obviously there's no witnesses, but they call three women to the stand that all say that they dated Larry before he was married and that he didn't like the word no anytime he wanted sex, that they had all been raped by him before, and at some point he had tied them up or taped them up and raped them. One of them he did in the forest. In the same I guess they were area just too afraid that to Melissa was found. Come forward or testify, you know. To, they just want to get the hell away yeah, from him. Yeah. But when this happened, they came forward and said, Look, he did this to me. Right. They didn't sought them out. I mean, they didn't know anything about them. Right. So these women came forward and said, Look, I know Good he's for capable them. of it because mm-hmm. he did it to me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't stay with him because he he yeah. was too aggressive and I couldn't be with him. So hearing those three stories, right? So of course the defense doesn't really, I'm not saying that he, I have any sympathy for him, but he had kind of some shitty defense attorneys because the only defense they had was that he, yes, he knew her. Yes, he saw her. He hung out with her, but he didn't kill her. But he's and saying he didn't do it. That he's saying he didn't do but it. But that's all they but have. But that's it. Just that what they have is circumstantial. That yes, her stuff was there because he, he saw her. Yes, her cigarette butts were there because she was at the trailer at some point. But the pantyhose situation isn't circumstantial. He, well, he says that, that those were planted. Oh, okay. okay. Some, somebody must have put them there. Okay. But they... So the cops have been walking around with the top part of the pantyhose. Trying to find a place to put them. And then the other detectives put that stuff on her body when they found her. Even right. though it's being filmed that that, that was already there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or maybe it was at the crime scene. And not on her body. And, that no, I thought you part, said... It, no, the top part. Oh, I see. They're trying to say the top part was there. Oh, I see. And they just like pocketed it and then went and put it somewhere. Okay. Well, when they found her, they didn't know who to look for. No. Why would they pocket that, right? Whatever. Case over, jury deliberates for three hours and they find him guilty of murder, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they set an execution date for January 24th of 2007. So it's 2000, so that's seven years from now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in 2002... One of his appeals... Wait, they set the execution date for seven years out? Mm-hmm. Why? I don't think mm. they've ever done that before. That seems odd to me. I don't know. Okay. So two years later, his appellate court um, attorney finds some interesting evidence. And so Melissa Trotter was found to have died 25 days prior 
to the date that she was found. So when they find her, okay. they say, okay, she's been dead for 25 days. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So 25 days would have put would have put her at uh, December the 8th. Yes. December the 8th. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if that's the case, it's impossible for Larry Swearingen to have killed her because he was in jail. He got out of jail on December the so, 9th. But... Usually when they determine the time of death, it's an estimation and there are very many variables that could add, that could make that date incorrect. It could be plus or minus, I don't know. I don't know all there is to know about that, but I don't think anybody would ever say, well, it's exactly this day and that everything else is wrong, right? Well, and the thing about Texas that's so hard is that you can't always determine predict or determine what what the weather is going to be like right so this was december in texas which sometimes it's been icy Mm -hmm. sometimes we've worn shorts to christmas this is true so it's very hard to tell what normal decomposition would be what the hell was that damn it what was that it was callie's headphones where were they they were behind me oh and because you're moving your hands when you talk (laughs) Okay, so um, <laughs> so they first looked at the the Emmy first looked at the the insects on her, and mm-hmm. the state of the state of decomposition. Yeah, that right? they can actually, and then kind of what the temperatures had been over the last time, mm-hmm. and where her body should be. So they felt like there wasn't really a lot of decomposition. So she hadn't been there for a long time. She she hadn't been there for a long time, mm-hmm. but because of the weather and the state of the insects, they felt like she had been there for about twenty five days. Or she had been dead for 25 days, but maybe not in that spot. She may have been somewhere, mm-hmm. and then and she was she put was there. Moved. So it was kind of hard for them to determine. Because the right. state of the bugs versus her comp- decomposition didn't Did, match up. Yeah, it doesn't seem so like it. So it just didn't really make sense. So Larry decides to take it upon himself to start learning the law. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'm will i going to help my attorneys, and I'm going to do what I can. Because evidently my attorneys are shitty. Yeah, like so he, he goes and looks at all the temperatures and they were actually higher than what the state had stated based on if her body was in the woods for 25 days, then she would have been more, her decomposition would have been more. Mm-hmm. So he feels like you guys are just trying to make it my fault by mm-hmm. making, making it, it less fit. so that it would be me. Mm-hmm. So he started taking paralegal classes in jail and he's like, I'm going to show you guys I didn't do this. So, the so first from the Emmy, beginning, he's adamant that he's innocent. He is. Okay. So the first Emmy stated that her body was in the woods for 25 days. So they get a second Emmy, and this Emmy says, no, that body's only been there for 14 days. Okay. That sounds more like it. So me. now Larry's like, oh, shit, because that means I'm capable of it, right? So that's 2002. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in 2003, a fairly famous attorney that goes after cases like Larry's where they claim innocent hardcore. Like, there's some, like... There's some guys that are like, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But then, like, they appeal and appeal and appeal, but they don't do anything. Like, take Stephen Avery, for example. He has said he is innocent from the beginning, and he's hired every person he could. He's taken courses. He's done whatever he can to prove to people he is innocent. Mm-hmm. Then you have some people that are like, yeah, I didn't do it, but they did they really not do it? Or do they just don't well, want you to think? What about the case, the last, last episode, the one I did, the guy yeah. admitted that he was guilty. But he still kept appealing, and it mm-hmm. wasn't really because 
he's trying to prove his innocence. He's just showing that the attorneys don't know what they're doing or mm -hmm. that the trial wasn't fair. But it, the outcome is still the same. But right. he's appealing just to, to do it. So whenever James Reddy reviews, he works for like the Innocence Project. So James Reddy is the famous attorney that's helping. Yeah. Okay. So he starts to review Larry's case and he really agrees with Larry in the sense that he feels this is very circumstantial. Because after reading the police reports, he finds that the pantyhose was found after body was found after trailer was searched twice. So he's saying it's very convenient that, so he says that they did search the trailer the day that he oh, was arrested, okay. which was the 11th. And no pantyhose were found. Okay. And then two weeks later, the trailer and the, the grounds, because the body hasn't been found yet, mm -hmm. nothing is found. Then they find the body, and miraculously the next day, these pantyhose are found. Okay, that is a little coincidental, but maybe but they also, didn't know what they were looking for. Exactly, well, exactly. And I was thinking, well, if they went through the trash and they saw a piece of pantyhose with no blood, right? Yeah, but you know, let's be honest. If you're, if you're researching a murder, if you're investigating a murder trial, even if you don't have a body or anything, if you find a pair of pantyhose and the bottoms are cut off, to me, that's suspicious. I don't think I would find that suspicious. I, as a man, which these were all male detectives, would they even know that was pantyhose? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I, a woman I, would be like, whenever okay, look, I this show is a picture of them, they're very, very dirty, like black kind of. It almost looks like a rag, like a dirty rag. Hmm. It's hard to tell that they're pantyhose. Okay. So I feel like it would be hard to know what you're looking for unless you saw it. And so, you know. A murder weapon being a pantyhose, who would think to look at that, right? Yeah. Like, they're looking for a knife. They're looking for something with blood on it or something that would belong to a well, woman. They, yeah, well, they don't know the cause of death. So the, they're, they're, they probably shouldn't be trying to focus on any type of evidence. They should just be looking uniformly at, like, what speaks to me. Like, mm -hmm. what, what, what stands out? Because I think that's what they're trained to do, what they're supposed to do. But clearly... You get tunneled on what you think happened and you probably are only focusing on things that you shouldn't be focused on. So right. to your point, I can see how maybe some men would miss it. But I promise you, if there was a woman detective and they saw that, they'd be like, mm, they'd probably think it was suspicious. You don't think you would? I don't I think would. I would. I don't think I would. I don't think I would ever even think of pantyhose as a murder weapon. I would be thinking about, I, I would be looking for anything that like I said had blood or looked like it was disturbed like torn mm -hmm. or you know because I mean I've I've used bottoms of pantyhose you know you put the dryer sheets in it and then you tie it up and you put it in your um, dryer. dryer and it helps so that the smell isn't too much on your clothes so I may not think about, I just, I don't think if I saw that that I would call out to me that it's odd yeah. unless I knew to look for pantyhose right yep. so those pantyhose were found four days four days after her body was found so he finds it interesting that it took a third search to find the smoking gun per se the blood under her nails was analyzed and it was not larry's hmm. okay so they find that interesting that did that it, wasn't did even not the do, defense didn't even use that in his case did they uh do dna test on the blood found under her fingers the, the dna analyst stated now let me tell you about <laughs> investigators in the 2000s i guess or 1990s so they're parting like it was 1999 i guess so the dna analyst who was checking the blood 
that day had cut himself shaving. Oh, shit. And when he leaned forward to do his job, his blood mixed with the other blood. So all the tests came out inconclusive. So technically, it could have been Larry's, right? They don't know. They don't know. Did that dude get fired? I hope so. That's jacked up. And what, well, you don't have a Band-Aid at home? And aren't you trained to be very, very meticulously... And where's your mask? And you better be wearing gloves. So, like, if you have a mask on, how does the blood perfume... I mean, I don't know. Anyways. So, he ruined, he contaminated that little bit of blood that was there. And that James Reddy felt that the second Emmy shortened the days so that it would, it, it would fit with Larry, so that it would be not easier to and her statement wouldn't be questioned right mm-hmm. and you know like i said before he also said you know texas is weird in the winter you know the, sometimes the ground can be frozen solid it's and sometimes you just don't know um and the average temperature most of those days was 60 and some days was over 70 mm-hmm. so he feels if she was out there 25 days she would be decomposed more because it was warmer it was a warmer winter than most people would have a winter um, some people in, you know, North Dakota, just a couple states above us, North Dakota, South Dakota, they may be able to be out there for 25 days and hardly mm-hmm. be touched because we they're colder. We don't really have much of a winter we, here. We, we don't. Our so. winter is in January and February. Yep. <laughs> just like our summer is July and August. Yep. So the same judge that tried him the first time was also the judge for his appeals. And that judge... Our salty judge. Oh, another salty judge. Stated he he never has cases overturned. Uh-oh. And this will not be his first. Okay. So every time that James Reddy would send an appeal with, I mean, some of these things need to be looked into. Like he asked for the pantyhose to be reanalyzed to find if there were any fibers from any other male or any semen mm-hmm. or anything because she was sexually assaulted. If the blood under her fingernails, if there was any blood left anywhere to be reanalyzed. And um, they were all denied. And the judge delivered a statement that his execution date has been moved to January 27th of 2009. So at this point, it's now two years past what it was initially. And the attorney asked the ME to review all of the slides from every piece of tissue because the way that the ME was describing it is she was saying, you know, whenever we determine decomposition, it's very, very hard in a un like an uncommon area like she said if it's in water it's in one area it's all wet but when they're in like a forest or they're not out in the open somewhere then it's not the same some areas if it rains some areas are going to be more wet than others mm-hmm. if they're close to a tree some bugs are going to be on some part of it and closer than others Depending on what type of foliage is around will depend on how other parts of the body is will decompose. Is she laying on rocks? Is she laying on right. grass? Is, is she, she laying on a tr- on like roots of a tree? Like right. It's- and was she did she die in that spot or was she put there after death? Like all that stuff plays a part. So they take a piece of tissue from different parts of the body to determine what the average decomposition. Okay. So the ME tries trying to explain. This was the first ME. Right, they go back to the first one, and she's like, "I'm not going to change my days. I believe it's 25 because of how slowly her tissue had decomposed. I'm not saying that she was not in a fridge or anything for a few days before. I can't determine that. I can only determine that the tissue was not very decomposed, 
and that the bugs that were there had been there a while to be where they were. Mm-hmm. So into the that's stage my conclusion. Their, yeah. So the initial, the first so Emmy. She's going to review all reviews, of the slides. Reviews again. all the slides. They go back to the second Emmy and reviews her, has her review the slides. So the second Emmy says the tissue looks very fresh, which means the body could not have been in the woods for more than 10, 14 days at the most. And so James Reddy sends the initial Emmy a report again and says, are you sure that your days are right? So she changes her days from 25 to 14. Well, that was the second Emmy, Emmy, right? The second Emmy said 14 days. Oh, okay. That was her initial choice. So the first Emmy Emmy changed her dates when she saw the second Emmy's assessment. So the judge calls calls everybody into the court. I'm sure. And he's like, like, I'm really freaking confused. And so the Emmy said, yeah, I changed my dates because I was pressured by the attorney to review and change my testimony. Okay. And she said, I never changed my opinion. And I never felt like it was less than 25 days. But I felt like I had to, I felt pressured. And he's like, you do realize this is perjury, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I didn't, I, I didn't realize. I was just giving him what he wanted, but I never changed my opinion. It's still 25 days. Okay, then. So 10 years at this point, he's been on a death row. It's still pending whose DNA is under her fingernails. Right. Still, oh, they, did, they still, get, did they get more sample? They were able to recheck it, but it's just pending. It's just pending. Okay. They don't know who's it. It takes is. a long time. So another man from the Innocence Project named Bryce Bingett. Sorry if I'm butchering that. Bryce Bingett. <laughs> um, he is very interested in that DNA under Melissa's fingernails. He feels that why does any of the other evidence matter? If there is another person's blood under her fingernails, that should be the culprit. That should because be the primary if she focus. was, let's say she did meet up with Larry, why would a married man, happy or unhappy, well, for whatever reason decision in split of a moment made a bad choice and took this girl to his place slept with her whatever and she's going back and someone does this to her he shouldn't fall for that yeah maybe he cheated on his wife mm-hmm. yeah he committed adultery and he but messed her with a murderer. but he didn't kill her right mm-hmm. so he said that's what matters because that was her last moments what happened before doesn't matter and he feels like if there was another male in that dna then that DNA needs to be tested. So mm-hmm. he writes this long appeal and he sends it to the judge and he's like, nope, all requests for further testing have been denied. De- denied. No more testing. So in 2013, Judge Edwards retires or he leaves. Oh, okay, good. And he's no longer there. So there's a new judge, Judge Kelly, and they're allowing for more for further DNA. Because they look at it, they said, yeah, you know, this is right. He shouldn't have been doing that. He shouldn't have been denying that. He completely agrees with what Bryce has to say. But due to the amount of all the handling and all the times it's been tried and processed, it is denied by the state because they knew the evidence wouldn't be accurate. Because even if it came back inconclusive or not Larry's, it wouldn't be correct. Because so many people... have been contaminated mm. and didn't follow the right chains of command that let's say it came back with one of the detectives blood. How do we know it wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah. I so they said, saying. yeah, we can do it. We can spend the money doing it, but it's not going to be right. And it's probably not going to be Larry's at this point because it hasn't been handled correctly. So of course that, that is just terrible. That 
Yeah. So a new execution date is set for November 16th of 2017. So that summer before, the DA notifies that a serial killer has confessed to killing Melissa Trotter. And this is going to exonerate Larry Swearingen. The man's name is Anthony Allen Shore. His execution had already been set and he had been given... So he was already in jail too? Yes. He was on death row for being known as the tourniquet killer where Uh he would kill women and he would use the the pantyhose so he had he at that moment he was on a 90-day grace period so that means they were in jail at the same time were they were they in the same prison not the same prison okay but they were in both in jail okay but he had just been he was just about to be killed or excuse me executed when oh, he and this was his deathbed confession. And he confessed that he did this to Melissa Trotter. So he's given 90 day because now they have to figure out, well, did he really do it? And you think he did that on purpose knowing he would be, his life would be prolonged? Well, he confessed to some women he knew. And his MO was to find young women. Oh, he confessed to someone else, not Correct. the people in the jail. No, just okay. a woman. He I had a vision of him like being on the death on the in the in the death chamber and be like, Oh wait, I can't. It was supposed blah, to blah, happen blah. like that night or the okay. next morning. Okay. So his MO was to find young women, strangle them and rape them, and he was nicknamed the tourniquet killer, and that's how she was killed. She was killed mm-hmm. by basically strangled, With- raped and put a tourniquet. So the police searched his cell and found information on Melissa's case. Drawings, maps, and evidence all on Melissa's case. Because in his confession, he confessed to exactly what happened. Which hadn't been released to the public still. Correct. Well, I guess some of it had. Like, I'm sure it said that, I mean, because in your story you said what happened to her. Mm-hmm. So if you have it, if you have access to the story, then so did he. Right. Okay. So Larry's like, well, are you going to... Can I go now? And they're like, no, we're not going to extend your execution, but we are going to extend his. And he's like, what kind of sense does that make? Like, you're going to spend, give him 90 days, right? And I only have, like, a couple of years, so I don't really think this is fair. They're like, we have to make sure the right person's dying, right? So they send the evidence they find in Anthony Allen Shore's cell. They send that evidence to be analyzed. To be what analyzed. evidence did they find? Well, they found drawings, maps, and ev- and and I know, and like a, a list of all the evidence, like all the evidence that they had to prove that Larry did it. He had a list of it. Well, when they go through it, they realize all that information came from Larry. That Larry drew a map. Larry wrote the evidence. All of that. So apparently, Larry sent Shore a letter asking him to admit it. Oh so Larry God. can go free because Alan was going to die anyway. He was going to die for the tourniquet killings anyway. Wow, he's a manipulative bastard. So, uh, and then Shore felt, well, after all the bad I've done, I'm saving Larry's life by admitting to this. And then he can go innocent and I can at least do one good deed before I die. And the DA is like, yeah, that's not how it works. Mm-mm. And so um, Anthony Allen Shore felt the DA had made an error in the way that they made the date and found it to be invalid for Larry's execution date. Because even though not that Shore's opinion really matters, but when they looked at, I guess, the date from the last appeal to the next appeal, and when they said it, it was too soon. So they actually moved his execution date up on accident. So in a way, it did help him. Um in his last appeal, he asked for 
the pantyhose to be the DNA testing on the pantyhose and the, tish, the tissue under the fingernails to be retested against Shore and Larry since they're both in the database. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, if it comes up that it's neither one of us, then we should both be exonerated. And Shore's like, yeah, I like that idea. No, yeah. they're not doing that. They're not doing that because it's been contaminated. It's not a valid... In right. fact, they shouldn't even keep the specimens anymore if they can't, right. if they're not, they're if, not they're, be correct. if they're invalid and they can't be used, then it should be destroyed. Yeah, at this point, it could be a female that comes up that, that did it. I mean, it yeah. could have been a female, you never know. But so there's like a little interview with the, with Melissa's mom. And it's really sad because she's like, you know, it's bad enough that I lost my daughter to this gruesome way. But now here we are 19 years later mm-hmm. and I can't even have justice for her because of all this bullshit. Like, he can't just let it happen, right? He did it. He's got to cause up all this drama because every time he gets in the press, I have to be interviewed, my Mm -hmm. husband has to be interviewed, my son has to be interviewed, and we have to relive this. And we can't stop reliving it until Larry dies. Once he's gone, we can can finally have justice and move on with our life. Not without her, but move on from how she died. You know, so um, they do decide to one final test because they've moved his execution execution date to August 21st of 2019. And so the DNA comes back inconclusive. Of course. Well, we knew it would. So Larry Swearingen was executed on August 21st of 2019. He did an interview. That was just a month ago. Yeah, that's why I chose it. Nice. Um, While I was doing it or. Excuse me. What? <laughs> While I was researching it, it was actually set for August 28th, but it was moved up a week. I don't know why. Um, and I was like, ooh, it's going to be really cool if he is executed right then or if they find some mm-hmm. cool piece of evidence. But he did an interview one hour prior that I watched it like six or seven times on different websites. And he still proclaims his innocence. He's like, I never did it. Yes, I did all the things before. And now here I am, you know, he was 24 when he was arrested. He's in his mid-40s. He's like, I never got to live my life. I've been here this whole time and I didn't do it. And now I'm going to die for it. And he's like, the smoking gun they keep talking about, I didn't even do it. I don't even know where those pantyhose came from. Because Melissa never wore pantyhose. So well, they're but like, he wouldn't, that is, has nothing to do with it. Nothing Whether to do or not with she it. wore them or not. No. He could go buy them at the store if that's his means. If that's or they his could murder have been weapon. his wife's. If that's and even if they're not, if that's his murder weapon, he could go by them and no one would even mm. blink twice. No. So, so um, he was executed on that day, and his last words were to he was saying it about the um, people that were executing him. He said, "Lord, Lord, please forgive them, for they know not what they do." And um, the family's last words, you know, the family gets to say one last thing. They thanked all the law enforcement people mm-hmm. and all of the Supreme Court or the courts and just everyone in the everyone involved in for the last two decades. That's yeah. what they've been doing. Finally have peace of mind and all that. But yeah, that's the wow. case of Melissa Trotter. I mean, it was really sad and thank God she didn't suffer more. I mean, it's bad enough to be raped and mm-hmm. strangled, but she wasn't stabbed or anything like that. Thank God. But, you know, it's it's very sad that... Like, like her mother had said, you know, we lost her 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. We just want to be able to have a normal life where we're not in the media all the time. And there's people at our door. That's got to suck. I, I'm happy. That, I mean, I obviously, I feel sorry for them having to, you know, bury their daughter at such a young age and then have to 
you know, deal with the means in which she died and, and not really any closure, but finally they have it now, right? He's gone. Now he is gone. Now mm-hmm. they don't have to be forced to relive it over and over and over. I mean, I'm sure they still do in their own way every day when you wake up and she's still not there, right? But at least now they, because there was always this fear, like what if they find something that's circumstantial and that exonerates him? You know, or what if they contaminated the evidence and it comes up someone else? You know, but there wasn't any other. So, do you believe he did it? I believe he did it. I think so too. Because the thing is, is that you can't deny people... you can't deny evidence, and you know, I mean, young young girls, they're on their way out. They're going to leave things the way whatever they were doing before they left is what's going to be there, mm-hmm. right? Especially college kids, they're just trying to go from one day to the next. And if the last thing that she did was call Larry Swearingen, then that lead. The last person, a lot person to see them. Did is they usually... did they check her phone records to see if like she had called him or if he'd called her or anything like that? There was no mention of that. Mm-mm. I mean, that could have, but I mean, I guess if he admitted to going out with her, that wouldn't have really proven anything. It would have just been more circumstantial, right? Well, yeah, he, we talked in and... one in one interview that I watched. It was just a quick like minute or so brief story he stated in a little clip that all they were were friends with benefits and that she knew he was married and she was okay oh, with it so it was a booty call but situation. her mom was really upset that he said that because she said you know she didn't have a steady boyfriend but i don't i'll never believe that my daughter was a friends with benefits with a married man yeah. she said i just don't i could see her if he wasn't married i could see her being interested in him mm-hmm. even though he was older because she had an older brother and yeah but it's hard for me to believe that my daughter would do that. She just well, wasn't. Well, she knows that... her daughter better than anybody. So yeah. you got to trust her judgment, you know. And so he, all he could do was make excuses for why he was around her, why he messed around with her, whatever. Um, I don't. I didn't read if there was semen. I just know that there was signs of sexual assault. So there obviously wasn't anything there to tie him to that part his wife did she was she ever interviewed or was she in court or she's just gone she just like was he really married like maybe that was just some bullshit no he was married and the cops didn't question her there wasn't any mention of her which i find odd i didn't hear anything about her usually they pull them in to like find out more about him and, and try to corroborate his story with real life you know hmm I didn't hear anything about her. And I didn't surprisingly read very much in the newspaper about it either. There was only a couple articles about it. I found most of my information from uh, two documentaries. One was a documentary on HLN Death Row Story. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt bad watching that one because it was about him and his struggle for death yeah. row. And I'm like, I don't feel bad for them piece mm-hmm. of shit. He should rot. But then there was another one that um, I think her mom's her. name was Sandy or Sandra. She is the one that she's the main person in that one. She talks about Melissa and they have a really pretty um, gravestone for her. It has a picture of her face and it's kind of raised and it has a big rainbow and it says, you'll look for me in the rainbows. Oh, it's so pretty, you know, Um, it's just, and when you see, I'll post pictures, she's so beautiful and she just looks so sweet and so innocent, you know, and she didn't have a past that makes any sense. And even if she was fooling with a married man, it doesn't give anyone the right to take her life. I'm sure there's stuff that, I mean, I know I did stuff that mom doesn't know about. So, you know, just because her mom doesn't think she would do that doesn't mean she didn't, but that doesn't mean that she deserved 
to be mm-hmm. treated that way no. if she decided to be with a married man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a mutual thing between the two of them, and that's that's all that is, you know? Yep. It's not grounds for any other type of treatment, regardless. No, nope. nope, not at all. But, yeah, I thought it was a good story, especially yeah, good because story. Um, he was about to be executed. That's the first time we've done one where the execution date was, like, within even the same year. Yeah. Right? Usually it's... Well, and he kept getting you know, he kept getting those um, extended Appeals. stays, you know, and um, finally stays they, of execution. Stays of execution. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, he, he kept getting those, but I think after the DNA came back again inconclusive on the pantyhose and the um, fingernails. the fingernails. I mean, I know we they didn't really take that good of care of evidence back in the '90s because DNA wasn't it was still very a uh, so very new possible thing to do, but not something that that's going to be customary. So I know I, I hate that because I know a lot of the eighties and nineties stories we cover, like people just go in like yeah. the, let's just let the church people go in and clean up the crime scene. <laughs> can you call the, can you call See, the reverend's wife? we got another homicide down the street. Yeah, We're going to have some dinner and then we're going to go clean up a crime scene. Yeah. We're just going to throw the carpet outside. Yeah, it's fine. The city will come. No yeah. deal. The, 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 those girls, dad and their grandfather will come. Do cleanup detail. Yeah. Well, also, shout out to True Texas Radio for having yes. us on. We hope everybody's enjoying that. It's on Tuesdays mm-hmm. from 6 to whenever the episode is over. Yep. Um, and if you love Texas country, they have a very good Texas country on. I've been listening to them. Good. They're good. So we appreciate them and yes, thank having you. us on there. Go to their page, like their page, listen to the other. They've got other stuff on there, other podcast that they promote so it's not just the true crime like ours it's a wide variety so go check them out they're cool very cool people yes and um we appreciate all of you listening yes we do um, we, thanks for coming back and we actually met a few um oh people. yeah you should tell that story that's um, a good one so to the girl in the true crime shirt with the we were, what would it say wine? it said um true crime glass of wine bed by nine right i was like she is my person yeah so we of course, anyone that has kids know you buy them way too much stuff, right? So we decide to have a garage sale after school starts. So we're having a garage sale and it's crazy. It's a random Saturday. And this girl walks in and she has a shirt on that said the, the three things. And I looked over at sister and I was like, sister, did you see her shirt? It says true crime. She's like, yeah, it does. So I went over to her and I said, excuse me. Um, so you like true crime? She's like, yes, I do. And I said... Do you like to listen to podcasts? And her, and I believe it was her husband mm-hmm. or boyfriend, was like, oh, yeah, we like to listen to podcasts. I was like, well, my sister and I started a podcast, and I told them about us. And she was like, oh, that sounds so great. And we said, you know, you want a sticker? We'll give you a sticker. So we gave them some stickers. And so it was really cool to meet her. So they leave. And then later on the afternoon, we get a message on our page, and she's like, oh, my gosh, we started <laughs> listening, and we really like it. And she signed it, the girl in the true crime shirt. Yep. And I was like, yes. I mean, it's it really cool. good. So thank you, girl in the true crime shirt. Yep. Um, and I think she even said they're, like, putting stickers and spreading the word. Yeah. So, we, so thank you for that. We've been in Texas and Oklahoma putting stickers out. So if you ever see our sticker, let us know. Mm-hmm. We do go back to some we – went, we went to one restaurant – and put a sticker up, and We're our sticker is it. still there. Yeah, after is. what three months? It's been a while. It's been three yeah. or four months, um, and the sticker is still there. So, um, and I went to Europe. I traveled to Spain and Portugal, 
and I stuck our stickers there as well. So we're more than just Texas and the United States. We do have some listeners even outside of the U.S., which is super, super exciting. Yeah. And um, I don't you... know that it's a direct result of me putting our stickers there, but, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If there's a sticker uh, really far away, it's by her because I don't fly. So if it's not Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, yeah. New Mexico area, most likely it's not me. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, as usual, if you have any good ideas for stories, we'd love to hear them. And we'll do our best if it's a, if we can get, get enough information to fill an episode. We'll absolutely, absolutely do it. So if you've suggested something and we didn't cover it, it's because we couldn't get enough information to fill an, an, an hour. Um, and we've talked about doing an episode where we do a bunch of short stories, which we may, we may do that at some point, but we haven't done that yet. So, And we appreciate all your feedback, positive or negative. That's right. We know that we have opinions that not everybody agrees with, but they're ours, so we like yeah. them. <laughs> yep. Um, but we know we're not everyone's cup of tea, and that's okay. Yep, that's fine. We knew that going in. Yep. We're, this is just something we do as a hobby that we like to do. We do it anyway. We're just putting it on for other people to listen to. <laughs> We're just glad people like it. I, think I know. I didn't really I, expect me either. More I was than like, just our gonna... family. Like, of course, our family's going to like it because yeah. they're family and like, they're, they're biased. Gonna... But when it's people that you don't know and yeah. they're like looking forward to it, you're like, like, okay, let's keep doing it. We check our, I check our Podbean like every every morning. Like you know, in the morning, like you check your email, you check your Facebook or Instagram. Coffee. I. My pod, I check our pod bean every day, and I'm like, oh, because I have to admit, I was very worried this summer. I know sister was like, it'll be fine, Mm -hmm. but I was worried. I was like, if we go on a break, we're gonna lose listeners or we're not gonna grow. And I was very surprised because we, the last episode we launched was like the second or third week of June, and now we're into the first week of first full week of September, and that's three months that we had a break, and we had weeks and months where we did just as good as if we were putting out new episodes well that means we're getting new listeners which makes me feel very good you have to think about when people stumble onto a podcast that they like they go to the beginning and start so and like i've picked up and listened to podcasts that have been around for years that i didn't even know about so it's just a matter of when you're subjected to it and whether or not you like it so it's really unpredictable and like if you're going to take off and when, but I do know that like the podcasts that I like, I like them and a break isn't going to prevent me from going back and listening to them. As long as there's new episodes, as long as there's new episodes coming in, I'm mm-hmm. going to keep listening. Yeah. So, well, I so appreciate people yes. um, giving our name. I know that we have some family members and friends of family members that are, that love our show and ask them, they do tell us, um, when are you going to come back mm-hmm. on? Because, so-and-so really wants you to get back on and so that's a wrap huh that's a wrap rest in peace melissa Melissa trotter Trotter. yeah bye y'all bye y'all we love you case file 20 melissa trotter closed